0: I came across this, this hymn in the hymn book. I know we don't have hymn books out for you. I have one in my office. You can go to page 420. <laughs> and it's titled, Marching On. Marching on in the light of God. Marching on, I am marching on. Up the path that the masters trod. Marching, marching on. A robe of white, a crown of gold, a harp, a home, a mansion fair, a victor's palm, a joy untold are mine when I get there. Now you're going to go home this afternoon. You're going to pull it up on YouTube and you're going to learn that hymn, right? We could sing it actually while we're in the parade. Um, I have to pull some strings to get that to happen. But marching on, marching through the streets, uh, letting the light of Christ shine through the rain. How many of you used your wipers this morning? Aren't you glad they still work? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was encouraging. So we've been praying for rain and we're grateful uh, for the rain for sure, that God sends our way. Um, But they say it's supposed to be... uh, Uh, Rain free by the time we're marching, so there you go. We want to uh, congratulate our high school graduates, Hagen Blue, Mackenzie Martin, and Rocco Ritchie, for uh, finishing high school. Yeah, it's always exciting. I know when I graduated from high school, I think uh, my parents took me to Dairy Queen for an ice cream cone, not even a cake, and we moved the next day, boom, gone, gone, gone out of the neighborhood. That was life, right? That's life. Did it traumatize me? No. No. No, we move with a smile on our face, so Yeah. All right, we've got some uh, cool stuff going on. You heard Nicole mention it. And um, we're going to dive back into Daniel. Let's pull up uh, our map. I, I don't know about you, but there's a reason why they put maps in the Bible. And um, they, they think it's important that you know when you're reading in a text where it is in the world. Some people think that the Bible is... Uh, you know, it's, it's not real, it's made up, and it happened, you know, in your mind or imagination, but it's not true. Historically, the Bible has proven itself to be very, very reliable, that you can base your life on it. So, we're moving over to India right here, um, and you can just take a quick peek. Yeah, we're zeroing in. So, I don't know, anybody gone to India? My man Joseph, cool, cool. Yeah. So anyway, Pastor Vinod uh, Patniel um, understands what the Apostle Paul wrote in the book of Ephesians chapter 6. It says a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all the, of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Not some of them, but all of them. Therefore, verse 13, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. It's great, great news. And that's where Vinod based his life on because um, as a church leader in India, he's witnessed the rise of anti-conversion laws passed by the government in the recent years. Laws specifically that have designed to increase government-sanctioned attacks against Christian churches and followers of Christ as individuals. According to a recent investigation, this is what they said, anti-Christian vigilantes are sweeping through villages, storming churches, burning Christian literature, attacking schools and assaulting followers of Christ. In many cases, the police and members of India's governing party are helping them, government documents and dozens of interviews revealed. In church after church, the very act of worship has become dangerous despite constitutional protections for freedom of religion. So extremist Hindus have threatened to kill Pastor Patil If they catch him preaching. And so, for that reason, he now lives like a secret agent. (laughs) Sounds exciting. He zips through the wheat fields. He rides through the back alleys in his worn-out Honda scooter, making sure that he's not being followed, and praying with families in kitchens and courtyards and leading secret gatherings in falling-down farmhouses. Wherever they can meet, they gather And they preach the gospel. Pastor Patil told reporters, the Constitution gives us the right to preach openly. Still, you have to be careful. And despite the danger of his life, Pastor Patil has chosen to keep on preaching. He's decided to endure. He's decided to stand no matter what. And only heaven knows, man, if there was a census taken on this planet right here, right now, how many are standing with pastor patel following after Jesus Christ on the earth today are you one of them huh would you identify with that absolutely like ephesians 6:13 then after the battle you will still be standing firm and so this morning when we look at what's happening all around our world we see that there seems to be an assault on the gospel an assault about the life of Jesus Christ, an assault of those who call themselves followers of Jesus. And what a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. How fortunate we are to be able to have our faith tested in the furnace. And just like Vinod Patil He's saying, I don't care if people want to kill me, I'm still going to represent Jesus Christ no matter where I go and honor him with my life. Friends, that's the kind of attitude you and I need to model as well. Wherever God has planted you, whatever sphere of influence you have, let it shine, the the light of Christ we, we sang about that just moments ago. We need to let that happen. And so there was a remnant of believers in Babylon. There is a remnant of followers of Christ, not only in the United States, but all around the world. We're part of that. David Jeremiah wrote, our world is in bad shape, and sometimes we feel that way too. In our better moments, we know we're encompassed by God's blessing, yet We seem to struggle mightily with anxiety, fear, resentment, and discouragement. The chaos of the world seeps into our hearts. Fear can erode faith if we let it. And from long experience, I've learned that staying mentally healthy in a crumbling world is our daily assignment. And we can't do it without the buoyant spiritual foundation for our lives. We need God. We need Christ and his teachings. We need the Holy Spirit, and we need the Scripture about the future that we're living in. Friends, Daniel was put in that same situation. He recognized that he needed a buoyant spiritual foundation to withstand the pressure that he was enduring in that nation called Babylon, the world power of the day. And so, when we're struggling, and maybe you're questioning, and maybe you feel discouraged right now, is it possible to thrive spiritually in a culture today? And the answer, Daniel would come out of the woodwork and say, absolutely. I didn't just survive in Babylon. I didn't just hang on by my fingernails. I thrived in that culture. Why? Because I let God live through me, and he was honored because of it. So, Where are you, God? It's a good question. Maybe some of you watching online or those of you in the auditorium today are asking that same question. Where are you, God, when this stuff is happening all around us? Bad stuff. Stuff that doesn't make sense. Well, that was happening in Babylon in Daniel's day. So let's take a look again at Daniel chapter 1. We're going to read verse 1 and then jump to verse 17. During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Verse 17, God gave these four young men, Daniel and his three buddies, an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And so they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and the enchanters in his entire kingdom. Daniel remained in the royal service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus. Father, we thank you for Daniel 1. We see, man, a summary of what happened in that nation. And how you use this man to represent you and your kingdom. And Lord, here we are. We're not just a number. We're not a mistake. We're not wandering on this planet. We are here for a specific purpose. And that is to represent Jesus Christ and represent him well. And Lord, we need your help to do that. You're living in us. May we allow you to live in and through us, Lord as we rest in you daily. I pray for every person watching online and those in the auditorium today, the moms and dads in the other rooms with their children. Lord, we pray for your Holy Spirit to awaken each one of us. Lord, it's so easy to go to sleep. It's so easy to be lulled to sleep spiritually. And so we need to be awakened today to the times that we're living in. We thank you for the challenge, and we thank you that (laughs) you didn't leave us here on our own, man. What a mess that would be. But you're with us, and you're helping us, for which we're grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. So, you have your outline, and uh, we're going to crash all the way down to number five, uh, those of you that are here for the first time, you can go on the Life Church webpage and go to the archives for the gatherings and catch up. But first, uh, I'm going I'm to hit the pause button real quick here at um, number four must have a core and a subpoint integrity. There's a verse there that I think we need to resurrect for this moment, and that's Romans 12.2 2 the Philip's. Translation, it says, Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. You ever feel like you're getting squeezed with your life, friend? You feel the pressure pushing against you? But let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove and practice that the plan of God for you is good. It's good meets all his demands and moves toward the goal of true maturity. How many of you want to grow in your walk with Christ? Here it is. By maturing in our walk with Jesus, we don't let the world squeeze us into its mold. And i tell you what, man. You don't have to grit your teeth, you know, and uh, it's, it's a matter of reading God's Word, staying in it, and applying it to your life, obeying it. And this goal of true maturity will happen over time. That's the good news. So, we are moving along, as I mentioned, to... Where are we moving? Mm Hmm. Well, we're moving to God is active. And we're moving to God tests. Verse 8. What in the world is going on here? All right. God tests, verse 8. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king he asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods, and last week we talked about this, that the Lord uses private tests to prepare us for the public tests that each one of us will face eventually. A lot of times as followers of Christ, we say, man, if I get to vote in this deal, I vote not to be tested, right? Right? I want to keep my life as comfortable as possible. I want to make life as easy as I can. And the Lord is saying, listen, man, if you want to mature in your walk with Christ, push the test button. Because the Lord has a test for you and he has a test for me. And in a way, that should be exciting. Because he doesn't test us to see us fail and flounder. He tests us to show that we can Thrive in this culture that we're living in. We see that in Psalm 105 19, until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. And isn't this cool? The tests that God gives you and I, they are never wasted. Every single test that you experience, it has your name on it. It's not like God sends a test to you and says, whoops, that was supposed to be for George. God never has he never has that problem because he's got specific tests for each one of us he knows exactly where we are in our journey with him and of course his goal is that he wants us to become more and more like him so we need to say yes Lord I'm willing to be tested I'm willing to allow you to test my faith to prove that I do love you so Romans 6, 10, when he, Jesus, died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad you're dead to sin? You're not? Yeah, man. I'm, whoo, that gets me fired up. I'm dead to sin. But I am alive. To Christ. Verse 12. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let sin. Friends, it really is time that as a follower of Jesus Christ, we don't allow ourselves to be lured with temptation into those places that are dishonoring to the Lord. God has given you and I his word. He's given us his Holy Spirit. And man, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. And last week we heard Jesus gives us some real encouragement here. He says in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So what Jesus is saying is, if you want to flourish in your walk, if you want to become more like him, if you believe you are dead to sin, then you need to remain on the vine. Too many people are jumping off the vine, man. You know, they think it's the great escape. Boom! They cut themselves off from the vine. And a few days later, they come back on with duct tape. You know, take me back up, man. You know. And you confess your sin and you, you know, it's a sin, confess, sin, confess cycle. Don't you get tired of that? That's not God's plan. He's saying remain on that vine. And when you remain on the vine, you will thrive and produce much fruit. That's the great news. So God, as we heard last week, has put this early warning system in us. When temptation comes our way, there's that little beeping red light in the back of our head, man, that goes off to make us alert to this temptation that's coming our way. So we're never surprised by it. We always have a heads up on it. And um, Romans 6.22 puts it this way, but now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. What's that say on the front end? You're free from the power of sin. You see it? You're free from the power of sin. And last week we had Dane Orland. his quote, we're going to put it back up on the screen because friends, I really believe This needs to be a rallying point for followers of Christ today. In truth, there is nothing more thrilling, more solid, more exhilarating, more humanity restoring, more radiantly joyous than holiness. Are you experiencing that in your life? Yes or no? You don't have to answer it out loud, but in your head. Are you experiencing this this thrilling, exhilarating, radiantly joyous experience of walking in holiness with Jesus Christ. That is the plan God has for you as a man and woman. He wants you to thrive in holiness. Why? Because God is holy. Because God is holy, he wants us to be holy. And he paid for that holiness when he went to the cross to pay for our sin debt so we can walk in liberty. We can walk in freedom from the chains of sin. So man, there it is. God, does, he never promotes his people without testing them. Daniel, at 15 years of age, man, he was tested. And he could have easily compromised, and instead he said no and said yes to God. All tests are intended to develop us into a stronger faith with, the, with God Almighty. I've seen that in my life. I've seen that in your lives, man. Many of you have modeled that well. God is faithful. And you take a look. 11 of the 12 disciples were called by God to meet death by martyrdom. They were martyrs. And to the very end, through the power of the Holy Spirit, not one of them violated their identity in Christ. They said, my life Will be sacrificed for Jesus Christ. I love him. I know he loves me. I will lay my life down if if necessary. 11 out of those 12 disciples, man, put their lives down. And we see Pastor Vinod Patel out in in India, man. He's putting his life down if necessary. That's where you and I, we need to settle that in our hearts, man. I am not going to compromise. I'm not going to jump off the vine. I am going to stay. I'm going to remain. Faithful to Jesus Christ. And Daniel may not have been able to control the cultural influences in Babylon of the day. He wasn't the prime minister. He wasn't the king. He was part of the team, man, that served the king. But he still held that remote control in his hand when it came on how he would react to those temptations, how he would react to the pressures of life around him. He controlled it. You and I control it. Nobody makes us give in to sin. We choose that. And Daniel made no attempt to separate himself from the culture around him. He didn't say, man, King Nebuchadnezzar, could you build me a nice cabin out in the desert somewhere? where I don't have to be influenced by this culture anymore. You know, life isn't fair here. I wasn't taught this by my parents. No, he doesn't go off on a big litany, man. I've got to get alone to survive. No, no, he was no isolationist. And there's some folks out there today that say, man, if you're a follower of Christ, you need to go into hiding. You need to protect yourself. Daniel didn't think that way. He was capable of interacting with the pagan culture around him and allow the light of almighty God to live through him and not be contaminated by it. See, that's the key. An isolationist mentality leaves no place for believers to be the salt and life that Jesus has called us to be. What happens if we just go off the grid, man? We're ambassadors of Christ. We're to be the salt and light of Christ. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world, Matthew 5, 13, 14 says. And unfortunately, friends, there are people today that have isolated themselves from church. They, they, they stay at home. You know, I, they, the mentality, I can do church at home. Well, what do you do with Hebrews 10.25? How do you respond to that? Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. They were doing it back when Hebrews 10 was written. People were staying at home, man, doing their own thing. And the author of Hebrews is saying, don't do that. There are people that are doing it right here, right now, but don't neglect our meeting together, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Is his day of drawing near closer today than it was a week ago? Absolutely, absolutely. And so we need to be reminded We need to hang together, man. It's good to be together. Skip Heidzik pastors a church in Arizona. He writes It's obvious that God doesn't want any of us to do life alone, to be detached, disconnected, isolated. That's not God's design nor his intention. On one hand, we are independent beings. We make independent choices and we're independently responsible for them. But we are also interdependent beings designed by God to fully thrive only when we're connected to other people in meaningful ways. We're hardwired for connection. Have you noticed that? We need other people. Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 4.9, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Life, and in the particular Christian life, is a team endeavor. And serving the Lord is never an individual effort. It's always a team effort. Let me ask you something. How many people at church do you know by name? If you serve or volunteer, or maybe you're in a Bible study or a life group, you probably know a lot. If you attend a service weekly, you likely know some people by name, but probably fewer than those who are more engaged. And if you attend just sporadically, you know still fewer. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man who has friends must himself be friendly. That means instead of saying, nobody pays attention to me, Take the initiative and be friendly to others. Instead of expecting attention, give attention to others. Somebody has to make the first move, so choose to be friendly. Paul wrote, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Philippians 2. So as Christians, Jesus Christ holds the supreme position in our lives. Because of this, you want to find other people who share your faith and do life with them. You're hardwired for connecting with others, and especially with fellow believers. So be a friend and be faithful. Is that good? Yeah, man. That's a good word right there. That's a good word of encouragement. And man... As we see that day approaching, the coming of the Lord, we need to be together. We need to hang together more than ever, to be that source of encouragement. And so we should identify with Daniel. Daniel didn't go in isolation. He had his three buddies, at least, around him, where they held each other accountable. He was under tremendous pressure to conform to the culture, and he said, "No, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to conform. And maybe you're here today and you say, you know, I want, as I mentioned earlier, I want to keep life as simple as possible, as easy as possible. But you know, we need to be feeling some pushback, some blowback in our culture today to make us stronger on the inside, to strengthen our core. That resistance makes us stronger in our walk with Jesus. But man, if you've, have, if you've never experienced any pushback or resistance, you're really unprepared for persecution. There's a true story about a follower of Christ who was crushed after he'd been passed over for a major promotion at work that effectively put a lid on his career. And so, being an outspoken Christian at work, his immediate supervisor was an atheist he was sure that the reason why he didn't get promoted was because of his atheist boss. And so he went and he saw his pastor and he was angry and he said I am frustrated with God. The Lord let me down. And he wondered what good it had been to follow Jesus all these years. And really isn't the main reason we follow Jesus is because he's God and that he's forgiven our sins? Career advancement's not in the deal, man. Was that in the contract when you became a follower of Christ? No, it wasn't. But he still had a job, and in some parts of the world, you lose your jobs if you call yourself a Christian. In some places, being a Christian, you'll lose your life. He still had his life. Maybe it was God's way of showing him that he was too soft, that he wasn't ready for this battle of living in this culture of Babylon today. And after all, if man, a lost promotion could put your faith into a ditch, there's no way that he's ready to handle any more pushback in life, is he? He failed that test, man. He failed it. God wasn't done with him. And he's got a decision to make. Why am I following Christ? Because of career advancement or because Jesus went to the cross and paid for my sin debt? Because Jesus loves me and he's got a plan for my life. Dr. David Orsburn put it this way, too often we try to use God to change our circumstances while he is using our circumstances to change us. Right? So many people bail prematurely when circumstances make it a little uncomfortable for us. God's using those circumstances to mature us, to trust him more. And God will always use those tests in our lives to make our faith stronger if we let him. Listen to this. David put it in Psalm 26:2, Put me on trial, Lord, and cross-examine me, test my motives and my heart. Like Daniel, David asked to be tested in Psalm 139, 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. When was the last time that you asked God to test you? (laughs) Maybe it's on your calendar. Maybe it's in your phone, man. Going through the book of Proverbs. Lord, test me, man. Test me, put me through the fire. Well, when we don't do that, we're basically asking God that we, hey, I don't want to grow. I don't want to flourish. I don't want to thrive. Because those tests are good when they're ordained by the Lord. Solomon said in Proverbs seventeen three: fire tests the purity of silver and gold, but the Lord tests the heart. We shouldn't be surprised by that. God's been doing that for a long time. and We need to say yes to that. Embrace the test and stand with the courage of the Lord to finish strong. All right, point three, Daniel suggests a test. He suggests a test. He's tested and now he suggests a test. Look at verse 10. Let's, uh, let's pick it up at verse 8 first to put, put it in context. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. And he asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Verse 10, but he responded, I am afraid, this chief of staff of my lord, the king, that's Nebuchadnezzar, who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. Why did he say that? Because Nebuchadnezzar had a reputation that he would behead people if they didn't go along with his program. That's why when Daniel pushed back, Daniel was willing to put his life on the line. Nebuchadnezzar had a reputation, and he wasn't Mr. Nice Guy. And here the chief of staff says, no, I don't want to put my life at risk. So what does Daniel do? Verse 11, Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He doesn't get ticked off. He doesn't protest. He doesn't lock himself in his room. Verse 12, please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water. At the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. Verse 14, the attendant agreed to Daniel's suggested and tested them for 10 days. Do you see how the Lord works? Daniel, when he was rejected by the chief of staff, could have looked at it and said, well, maybe God is saying to me, I, it's okay for me to compromise when it comes to my menu, eating at the buffet in Babylon. Maybe that's okay. Maybe that's God's answer for me. No, no. Daniel's core is committed. And when the chief of staff says, no, I'm not risking my life, what does Daniel do? He goes to the next in line, to the attendant. He doesn't give up. He stays strong in his faith. The attendant agreed. The chief of staff was afraid, so Daniel went to the next one in line. Daniel knew what it was to be tested, and he's willing to put the test out there. Please test us for 10 days. He was polite, and he was firm with this test. What happens after that? Number four, God works miracles. Look at verse 15. At the end of 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for the others. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom, and God gave Daniel the ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. So at the end of 10 days, it says they looked healthier and better nourished than the other young men eating that good food on the buffet. That literally means they looked more robust Vegetarians today, if you're a vegetarian, you supplement those vegetables usually with protein or healthy fats because you've got to survive. If you're just eating lettuce and water, friend, you're in trouble. I mean, think about it. You're in trouble. Can you imagine 15-year-olds eating lettuce and water for 10 days? What would happen to them? I mean, think, think about it. 10 days after the first day they'd be pounding on the refrigerator you know give me a pizza i want more ice cream right they would wither they would they would they would wilt they would droop lettuce and water friends that that's not a lot of protein in that some but it's not enough to keep a teenager thriving <laughs> So vegetables and water for 10 days, God impacted. That's what he did. God impacted those, that lettuce and the water, man. He did a miracle because Daniel stood firm in his commitment to honor the Lord. The Lord honored Daniel, and God did. He blessed that lettuce, and he blessed that water with protein. Pretty cool. Out of the blue. And that wasn't the end of it. Verse 17, God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom, and God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. They passed with flying colors. And you see that God rewarded them with knowledge and understanding, and what, God is just, wow, giving Daniel and his three buddies, the ability to thrive with wisdom and understanding in an ungodly culture. Do you know God can do that in your life too? We know that God gives us, as followers of Christ, special abilities and gifts. We say that in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. When we put our faith in Christ, God gives us abilities and gifts. And we're to use them for his honor and his glory just like he did for Daniel and his friends in Babylon. God wants to use you on purpose and for a purpose. And so when Daniel could have easily thrown his hands up and said, where is God in Babylon? He was right there with them. And he was honoring Daniel and his friends. Matthew 28, 20, and be sure this, I am with you always, even to the end of Of the age, are you glad for that? Where is God? God is with you. God is with you. And number six, God can keep me persevering. Verse twenty-one. God can keep me persevering. I like the way the message puts it. Daniel continued in the king's service until the first year in the reign of King Cyrus. The New Living says Daniel remained in the royal service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus. So even though Daniel was in Babylon, it goes on a timeline, this goes 70 years when King Cyrus came into ruling there. Daniel finished strong, Daniel persevered. That's what it says. All the pushback, all the pagan culture pushing against Daniel, he thrived. It says he continued, he remained serving in Babylon. And when you read through the 12 chapters of Daniel, you'll see (laughs) he didn't compromise at all. What I like about Daniel 1, chapter 1, it kind of gives a summary from beginning to end about that life of Daniel. When he was pushed back and it goes, verse 21 kind of comes to a conclusion At the end of it, Daniel continued in the king's service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus. And so like Daniel, we're no longer living in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is that place where we're familiar with. That's the the comfort level when we think of our spiritual walk with God. We're living in Babylon, and we're told that we need to tolerate unbiblical core values. Our culture seems to have a, increasing disdain for the things of God. So what are you going to do? How are you going to live? It's crucial that you and I, like Daniel, live uncompromising lives to those around us, not to quit, not to give out, not to give up, but to press on with the Lord. Dr. Raymond Edmond Was the president of Wheaton College back in the 40s and 50s through 1965, and he would tell his students, It's always too soon to quit. It's always too soon to quit. Daniel persevered. He modeled that for us. We see that through the entire chapter. Throughout all those seven decades, man, Daniel thrived in his walk with God, and so can we. We're living. Man, we're living in a world where it's so easy to become discouraged, disappointed with what's going on around us. I mean, it really, every week it seems like something else happens that's pushing against biblical core values. And what we learn in Daniel 1 is that God is not sitting in his rocking chair in heaven, twiddling his thumbs, you know, detached from what his followers are going through in the world. Absolutely not. God is active behind the scenes. He is. Not only is he active in Daniel's world, he's active in your world and my world today. Do you realize back in May 28th, just last month, there were over 4,000 people baptized in Southern California? Huh? 300 churches came together. 4,166 people were baptized in the ocean. Is God working? Absolutely. Is God active? Absolutely. He's awake and he's aware of everything you and I are going through. And we can be encouraged by that. There is hope. Daniel's God is our God and God never changes. So friends, yes, we can thrive today. We can persevere. We can finish strong in our walk with Christ. After An exhaustive study of men and women in the Bible, Howard Hendricks was a professor at a Christian university, concluded that there are approximately 100 detailed biographies in the Bible, and he noted that approximately two-thirds of those men and women ended poorly. Either they turned to immorality or they drifted away from their faith. And you can see the dangers of the spiritual drift, man. It's so easy to do. It's so easy to coast. A pastor in South Africa interviewed over 20 pastors who had fallen into sin. He found a common trait. All of them had begun to neglect their time in the Bible and their prayer with the Lord. Holt's findings are a good reminder. We need to keep the basics in place, don't we? We do. That's a life of consistent Reading the scriptures, reflecting, meditating, and praying, serving and giving financially. We're, we're fully connected in our walk with Christ to stay engaged in that relationship with Him. So every morning you and I m- make choices. Am I gonna live fully for the Lord today? Or will I allow compromise to creep in? Romans 13:11, this is all the more urgent. For you know how late it is, time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. That word, wake up, Paul's giving the sense that there, there, the, the congregation was sleeping spiritually. They were, they were in a slumber in their relationship with God. That's why it's like a flare, man. It's like a bomb going off. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. In other words, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back sooner than he did last week and the week before. The last year is closer than ever before. We have to be alert. It's urgent. Just like Joshua in Joshua twenty-four fifteen, choose today who you're going to serve. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. King David, Psalm 119, 112, I am determined to keep your decrees to the very end. Isn't that good? To the very end. I'm going to finish strong. Verse 8, in Daniel 1, Daniel was determined. He made up his mind not to defy himself. And you go to verse 21, Daniel remained. He continued. He never gave up. How's that going for you? Hopefully... You are committed to finishing strong. Paul writes in 2 Timothy 2.13, yes, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. The Lord will deliver me from every evil attack. He will bring me safely into the, his heavenly kingdom. Galatians 6, 9, let's not get tired of doing what's good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if, you can circle if, we don't give up. Daniel didn't give up. He finished strong. And so, going back into the 1862, Quentin Campbell entered the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. Man, if you've ever been to West Point, what a place. Going into the chapel at West Point, it's breathtaking. Well, anyway, Quinton became discouraged early on because of the demands that were placed on him at the Academy, but also America was at war since April 1861. So over a year, his country was split. Well, Quentin's mother knew that her son was discouraged, and she asked a friend to write a letter to Quinton, to encourage him. This is what the letter said. Cadet Quentin Campbell, your good mother tells me you are feeling very badly in your new situation. Allow me to assure you it is a perfect certainty that you will very soon feel better, quite happy in fact, if you only stick to the resolution you have taken to procure a military education. On the contrary, if you falter and give up, you will lose the power of keeping any resolution and will regret it all your life. Signed, Abraham Lincoln, June 28th, 1862. Friends, those words, that advice that Lincoln gave to this young man a long time ago, they're relevant for you and me this morning. Man, if we lose the power of keeping any resolution, if we sign off with God, if we drift away from him, we will regret it. Let's not live with regret. Let's finish strong with the Lord. How about it? Father, we thank you this morning for your encouragement through your word. Thank you for Daniel 1. Thank you for using Daniel as an example in a culture that had gone haywire, very similar to what's going on in our culture today. And so, Lord, we can relate. It makes sense. The dots connect. And we thank you that Daniel did not wring his hands and he didn't go in a corner and feel sorry for himself. Instead, he said, Lord, use me to thrive in this culture. And Lord, we are not to isolate. We're not to... Put up walls around us to try and protect ourselves, to make life easier. You put us on this planet to empower us through your power to produce good fruit. Help us do that, Lord. Help us to finish strong like Daniel did. Help us to be committed to the fact that we represent you and people are watching and people are listening. To how we respond to life. Lord, what a gift it is to be alive in 2023, to have Jesus Christ living inside us through the power of your Holy Spirit, that we can thrive and not just survive. I pray for every person here this morning, Lord. You know their spiritual condition, you know where each one of us are at. help us to realize that time is short that you are coming back it will be worth it all when we see you face to face